I'm Keaton Fletcher, an assistant professor of industrial organizational psychology at Colorado State University, and this is Healthy Work. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Work. I'm joined by a dear friend, a former colleague, and an excellent scholar. I will get out of the way and let you introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I am Christer Visa. I am uh, assistant professor in industrial organizational psychology at the Georgia Institute of uh, Technology. I do a lot of work on a lot of different things. My bread and butter is working to understand team dynamics and how they work together. And what I think we'll be talking about today is my research on commuting, which I did not start until I moved to Atlanta, for obvious reasons. <laughs> Known for the really easy commute, right? The best place to commute to work? <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably one of the worst places. There's just a recent article that, that came out to showing just how terrible the uh, the commute is in Atlanta. Love that, love that. Um, but, you know, I'm really happy to be here, thrilled to be here. Thanks for the invite, Keaton, and yeah, let's get to it, right? Of course, yeah. So um, very excited to have you talk about your paper recently published in Occupational Health Science about commuting. Give us the overview. In this paper, we're looking at three of the facets that could potentially influence, say, how you feel, your well-being, and organizational performance. So in the research, there's three camps, uh, really. There's folks who focus on commute time. Uh, so like, oh, the longer the commute is, the worse it is. That makes logical sense, right? You're just sitting in the longer commute. You, you don't like being exposed to all the stressors. And the more stresses that you're exposed to, the worse it's going to be. Well, that's where the second camp come in. They focus specifically on the stressors. So they look at commute quality, which is just your overall evaluation about how stressful the commute is. Instead of a proxy, which is what time gets at, they're directly looking at the experience of the commuter to see if that is really was driving, say, spillover effects into their well-being and their work. And uh, the last camp of folks focus on uh, predictability. So there's this research out there to suggest, you know, whatever stressors that you experience, you can adapt to them. And so they'll have less effect on your well-being and how you behave at, say, work and home uh, because you've adapted to them. You've been exposed to them for a long period of time. And what's interesting is that none of the previous research had put all of these together in a single study to see what the unique relationship is with well-being and workplace outcomes. And so in this paper, we just answer that. We look at the unique impact of commute time, uh, commute quality, and commute predictability on worker well-being and job outcomes. Cool. I know when I was in graduate school, I was trying to get someone to, we were looking at houses to rent together. And he's like, I absolutely don't want to live uh, far away. I don't want to be a super commuter. I know that the research says like, if I have a half hour commute, I'm a super commuter and my well-being will be worsened. But like, I, you know, when I was at tech and now I, I have half hour commute, but I'm walking or biking and it's a much more pleasant commute than being stuck on like I-4 in Tampa yeah. or Orlando. And so I'm really curious. I'm excited to, to hear how this turned out. That's the philosophy where I come from, that it's really about the quality of your commute. Before I was at Georgia Tech, I was doing a postdoc at Purdue and uh, Purdue is in West Lafayette, Indiana. It's a college town. There is nothing there. And I used to drive 20, 25 minutes to, to campus, but it was so 
peaceful. There was like barely any traffic. It was kind of just straight shot. And so your your insights into what is actually driving these effects with well-being and job outcomes is correct. We find that commute time doesn't really matter. Commute predictability, which was kind of surprising, doesn't really matter. But what the real driver is, is the quality of the commute itself. And in the paper, we, we suggest this is because people are able to, uh, when the commute is good, uh, you know, of high quality, they can use their resources in whichever way that they want. So the underlying theory here we use is uh, role transitions theory. So people can stop thinking about work and start thinking about home things on their way home if their commute's good, right? If they have no distractions or people cutting them off or anything like that. Conversely, uh, if their commute is bad, it's interfering with that role transition process, which is critical for you to, you know, feel happier, have greater well-being, as well as be prepared for whatever domain you're going into. And think about your morning commute. If there's an accident on the way your commute, these stressors are making your commute quality bad, but it's also interfering with that transition process. And so you're kind of just like hitting, you have to pay attention to people cutting you off or these accidents, which don't allow you to effectively get into say work mode or home mode during your commute. Awesome. Can I ask you personally, what do you do during your commute? (laughs) What do I do during my commute? It depends on the day and the traffic. (laughs) That's very variable in Atlanta. And so what I do during my commute is oftentimes on the way home, I'll either call my wife or, you know, my mom or a friend. Uh, just helps with that sort of detachment from work process and helps me st- sort of engage in other family or leisure sort of uh, activities. On the way to work, if you recall i get up at like 4 30 in the morning to avoid that traffic yeah so usually i'm thinking about all right what am i going to be doing uh today at work just cognitively thinking about it or engaging in a podcast like yours to get myself into that sort of work mindset or work mode um so sort of these transition activities to facilitate that you know me thinking about work or home depending on where i'm going Love that. So what do I do with this research as either a manager or an employee or like maybe a policymaker? I feel like this has clear implications for policy. Well, lots of implications for policy, especially beyond just organizational policy, right? If you have commute modes that are like public transit that are clean and are on time, you can can allow workers to engage in these activities that help them transition between their roles. So they're not only more happy or happier, they're also more productive at work and living a, a better life. From an organizational policy side, the idea is maybe removing the commute itself is always a, a good idea, which I think many employees would advocate for, because uh, if you're living in certain areas, it's going to be stressful no matter what. If you're living in LA, New York, um, Atlanta, for example, if you're commuting during these normal times, it's going to be incredibly stressful. Uh, and so if hybrid or remote work is available, allow your employees to do that. An alternative, if it's not an option, is flex time, allowing them to come in during times where the commute isn't necessarily as bad. Uh, for example, with the position I have, I can get up at 4.30 in the morning, leave at 5, drive to work, and come home around 
you know, two or three o'clock. That not only allows me to transition better and be less stressed, allows me to be more involved in my home life because home life starts around two, three o'clock for me, like when kids get out of school. Uh, and so it allows me to be a better dad too, as well as a better employee, I think. And then in doing this research, what surprised you the most? What surprised me the most is I think the lack of evidence we found with a predictability. For this research, it was a one-shot study. Uh, so we had two studies in here. One was actually during COVID. The other was not. So the effects were the same generally in both of these studies. But what surprised me was that predictability, which had a lot of good theoretical backing in terms of why it would uniquely affect things like well-being or work outcomes. It had a lot of good theoretical backing, but it just didn't pan out. And I think that's because we didn't look at predictability on a daily level. Mm. When you look at these one-shot studies, you're looking at generally, you know, how predictable is your commute. And in that sense, it may not necessarily be affecting generally your well-being and your work outcomes. Uh, but if we were to do a study in which we asked folks every single day how predictable their, their commute was, I think those effects would come out, and that's what we're doing in, in future studies, is looking at maybe if we ask them at a daily level, predictability would have a stronger influence on both their work, life, and their well-being. Very cool. Yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense, the levels issue there. In the paper, you said something about the, like, oftentimes we don't think about our commute as, like, surprisingly good, right? If, yeah. If we're thinking about predictability, it's usually, like, unpredictably bad or like predictably bad and maybe on that daily level you'll capture those oh this was shockingly easy cool well chris my big question the one i uh, love asking people is why do you do this work oh i think you know primarily because it it's something that is a little bit of me search of course and but also it's something that folks are still doing and will continue to do every day, especially with all those uh, return to office policies that are being introduced right now. It's something that is a phenomenon that is an essential work experience, especially from a, a person-centered uh, point of view. Um, and it's something that we don't investigate. Uh, and I, I saw that hole and I really want to kind of keep going into it and keep going uh, deeper and deeper into this uh, commuting process. In fact, working with a cognitive neuroscience here, uh, you uh, you know him, Thackeray, we're working on a grant that deals with spatial navigation and uh, commuting. And specifically, we're looking at whether or not people who are predisposed to develop Alzheimer's disease experience more spatial navigation stress uh, in their lives and how that spills over into their work and life. The reason why we're looking at Alzheimer's disease is that uh, spatial navigation deficits, and you can think of the commute as a spatial navigation event, are the first and earliest signs of uh, Alzheimer's disease development, uh, so our onset. And so it's really interesting being able to sort of leverage this research that I've been doing on commuting and extremely unique and hopefully meaningful ways first my first reaction is oh no because i am horrible like 
famously horrible with directions, and I can't commute anywhere without Google Maps. So I'm concerned, but I'm glad that someone's doing research on this. And your work is very impactful and really cool. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about it and share it with our listeners. And I will talk to you soon, Chris. All right. Thanks, Keaton. Thanks for the invite and, and looking forward to it. Bye. Healthy Work is a podcast written and produced by Keaton Fletcher and Mariana Arvon, mixed and edited by Keaton Fletcher, artwork by Keaton Fletcher, and our music is Zero Micro Song by Steve Combs. Please like us, follow us, and subscribe on whatever podcatching software you use, and leave a review in the iTunes store. It really does help get us out there.